This podcast is sponsored by Prime Super, straightforward superannuation solutions that empower you to grow, manage and protect your wealth and retirement income. That's Prime Super. Go to primesuper.com.au to learn more. I'm here with Deborah Burrows, author of the new book, Nurses of Australia, The Illustrated Story. Deborah, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Deborah, let me go um, kind of straight to the history. What did nursing look like pre-settler history? Pre-settler history? Yeah. Um, Aboriginal nursing? Yeah. Um, well, they had um, very specific and, and, and long held um, techniques for dealing with um, injury and for dealing with illness. They had a knowledge of the, um, the various um, herbs and, um, and um, trees and, and things that, that we didn't know. So what happened was when, when the settlers came, they found that people were getting better if they used the Aboriginal treatments. Mm-hmm. and the native trees. And so, yeah, um, before white settlement, the, the Aboriginal people had their own methods, which were as, as good as anything was in the pre-antibiotic era. Mm-hmm. And was, was there much, I mean, I know you um, obviously put a, a lot of effort and time um, researching this. Was there much on to go on about uh, Indigenous nursing pre-settler history? Not really. And so when I started writing about the Indigenous history, I said to the National Library, look, I, I'm not that comfortable finishing this myself because I, I'm not an expert and mm-hmm. also I want to be culturally aware. So they contacted um, Katsanam, the Congress of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders um, Nurses and Midwives, and um, they gave me a lot of help and, and they wrote part of the chapter and then I edited what they wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I found that really useful and I think that was appropriate too. Yeah. Um, and moving on a little bit, you write that the first trained nurses arrived here in, I think, 1853. So that's about, you know, the best part of 100 years after settlement. Weren't there yep. nurses on the first fleets? Uh, well, nurse um, is a term that um, is a fairly modern sort of um, uh, construct, really. Mm-hmm. Um, on the first fleet, um, there were obviously women who were experienced in giving birth and they acted as midwives. There were surgeons who um, uh, each ship had its own surgeon who had his um, assistants. But the nurses, um, in the, uh, or what we would call nurses, patient attendants, were really convicts who were not trained, had very little knowledge and, and didn't do that much. Mm-hmm. So um, nursing is something that really didn't come to the fore in Western society until around... Um, the Crimean War time in 1850s because of um, Florence Nightingale, who really revolutionised it all. Mm-hmm. But before then, we had the nuns um, and uh, and women who used to nurse because nursing was done in the in the household in the family. So women would be taught um, as part of their duties as as uh, mistress of the house how to deal with cuts and grazes and and how to bring a fever down and and the sort of poultices to use. Often if people had coughed, they'd put poultices on their chest to try and draw out the, um, the um, bad humours. Mm-hmm. So there was nursing, but professional nursing wasn't really a thing. Um, the, the word nurse was really used more for child-caring people, yeah. looked after children. And so I would imagine then, before we get on to Florence Nightingale, for that first sort of you know, 80 to 100 years, 
the mortality rate, I would imagine, was quite high. Well, it was um, because they didn't realise um, how important um, antisepsis was. I mean, they didn't realise that germs were spread through through dirt and not washing hands. They didn't know anything about germs. So um, until that was known, then all they could really do is treat symptoms, um, not prevent things from happening so much. So they used to use enemas and poultices and they'd use some herbs um, that they might think worked. They used to let blood. They'd, um, mm-hmm. So the nurses in those days, the patient attendants, would assist surgeons in bloodletting. They'd hold the bowl for them. Um, they'd give enemas, um, salt and water enemas. Mm. Salt, um, soap and water enemas were a very Ooh. tried and true technique. Gee. And so the patient <laughs> attendants would do that. Um, they would apply the poultices. So they, they um, yes, there was a lot of mortality just because people didn't really understand how disease happened. And um, the thing about nursing was Florence Nightingale realised, and, and I think the earlier, earlier, more intelligent nuns and people realised as well that a clean environment is one where disease has a better chance of of um, being fought properly. And so uh, that was a huge innovation, just bringing cleanliness into a, a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then, so one thing which I've kind of been trying to hold myself off from reading because I really wanted to hear you talk, talk talk about it and it surprised me to read that you know the famous Florence Nightingale played an integral part in the pre- professionalization of nursing here. Oh yes well she was so famous um, after the Crimean War and she started a nursing training school at St Thomas's Hospital in London and in fact um, she raised money for that all over the world and um, Sir Henry Parks, who um, was the, I think, Minister of State of the Colony of New South Wales, mm. he um, raised money and sent money to her. Um, everyone, she was like the heroine of, of that time, an enormously influential woman. So um, when it became clear that the Sydney Hospital was in a terrible state, um, Parks wrote to her and said, but could you send us some nurses, please, just to take control of the hospital, management of the of the of the hospital and train our own nurses in your way. And so Florence Nightingale chose the, um, the, the five nurses and the lady superintendent, who was Lucy Osborne, and sent them out to New South Wales to, to do that. Amazing. And then, so I would imagine then that they created or taught that next generation and it kind of, um, you know, grew out from there. Absolutely, absolutely. So the women that they trained, and it was all women really, mm. um, uh, they then became matrons of other hospitals and they went right around and, and they then trained their own women. And Florence, uh, so Lucy Osborne had a lot of time for the Australian nurses she trained. She thought they were very good. Mm-hmm. So yes, it all sort of really started from their modern nursing in Australia. Yeah. Um, although before that we had the Sisters of Charity came out to Sydney and 1838, and they started really St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney, mm-hmm. and that was training nurses as well. But um, Florence Nightingale was the one who really um, started it all, right around the world, really. It's pretty amazing to think that, you know, if you're a nurse here today, you can trace your nursing lineage back to Florence Nightingale. That's pretty cool. Um, oh, yes. In researching this book yourself, were there any stories that shocked you? Uh, yes, there were quite a few, really. Um, I think I was shocked by how Lucy Osborne was treated by the male doctors at Sydney Hospital. She was treated very badly. 
Uh, they didn't like to um, give her control. And so um, a lot of petty nastiness went on. Mm-hmm. They, they said that she was too Roman Catholic, or that right. she wasn't. Um, and so um, I found that quite shocking, uh, really, that she was treated that when they'd asked her to come out. And it wasn't long, after a few years, everyone had to admit mortality had plummeted in the hospital. Things were better run. It was a much better system. Yeah. And then um, it started getting better. I was also shocked, but also really um, uh, very um, impressed by the way that our nurses coped with conditions in wartime, in the Boer War, the First World War, the Second World War. Mm-hmm. There were amazing women who just were so brave and, and operated in terrible circumstances. Um, a group of nurses were sent to um, Lemnos, an island off Greece, and they arrived there. There was nothing on the island, um, no tents. They arrived before their supplies arrived. And then all of the wounded from Gallipoli arrived. They had thousands of men arriving with nothing. So the tents were being put up around the patients who were on the ground. And these nurses ran out of bandages. So they tore up their petticoats and used everything they could just for bandages for these terribly injured men from Gallipoli. Mm. Um, and were, they, were they all professional nurses even at the time of yes, conscription? Yes, they were. They were all volunteers. And they were all properly trained nurses, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were just amazing women. I I enjoyed writing that chapter, and also Mm. in the Boer War as well, dealing with the disease they had to cope with. Um, And I was really shocked by the the thing that upset me the most was the the massacre on Banker Island. I don't know if you know about that. I don't. Um, Well, uh, when Singapore was invaded by the Japanese, um, uh, eventually the nurses were um, told they had to evacuate. Um, they were kept there for some time because the um, Blaney, the, the general, didn't want morale to drop. Mm-hmm. So as the Japanese were coming down and the bombers were falling, the, the nurses were evacuated. Um, there were three ships. Um, two of the ships got through, um, and the, the one with the most nurses, 80 nurses on it, was called the Viner Brook, and that was shelled. Um, there were all lots of other people, not just the nurses, and um, that was shelled and sunk, and so... The, these people, a lot drowned, 12 nurses drowned right away. The, the others um, floated into shore at various parts on Banker Island. But those who ended up in Raji Beach, 24 of them, um, uh, were there. They were joined by a group of um, English soldiers who'd got a life raft. But then when the Japanese, they surrendered to the Japanese who marched the men up the beach and then murdered them all. Gee. came back and told the nurses to walk into the ocean. And uh, it, it's just amazing. None of the nurses cried, none of them screamed, none of them did anything. The matron said, chin up, girls, and they just walked yes. in, and they were machine gunned from behind. And we know about it because one woman survived, um, a woman called Vivian Bullwinkle, and she um, played dead. Well, she'd been shot and uh, managed to escape into the jungle. One Englishman who'd also escaped by playing dead and then eventually they had to um, surrender, but they didn't tell the Japanese they'd been part of that, and she was a prisoner of war for three years, but, and then wow. gave evidence in the war crimes. So that made me cry. Yeah, Because <laughs> I just thought it was so, so sad that these, these, lo- these women should all just have been shot like that just for being nurses, or just for mm. being there. And I have to say, when, I guess when we talk a lot about the Anzacs, I don't often straight away think about the nurses or medical professionals. So, um, yeah, that's a, an amazing story. 
I know. In fact, they say that, I, I said that in the book too, in the 30s, someone wrote an article saying, we never hear about the nurses, and it's probably because they don't put themselves forward. Yeah. And, um, and yet they're just as brave. And they were given the honour in World War I um, of being able to march with the soldiers on the Anzac Day Parade because everyone realised just how brave and how important they'd been mm. in, in saving lives. Well, with all that amazing history, the interesting history, you know, settlement, the convict past, when you were researching this, did you notice, are there any traits or styles of nursing that are specific to Australian nursing? Um, One thing that that comes through fairly strongly is that Australian nurses, I think because of Australia, have to be very resourceful and have always been very resourceful, um, perhaps a little bit um, more bolshy than than nurses overseas. Particularly in, in World War One, they found that the English nurses um, were very annoyed because the Australian nurses would do anything. They'd muck in to do anything. But the doctors loved it and they were really well received. And I think that shows too in the fight that they had for um, just to be recognised and um, legally. So they had to really fight to get legal registration in nursing. The doctors had been registered since about 1835 or eight or something. Mm-hmm. But the nurses weren't... Um, recognized legally of their qualifications um, until the 1920s and uh, so once again it was the, the, the doctors didn't like to um, give over control very much so the nurses really had to fight for that they also had to fight hard for proper pain conditions mm-hmm. um, from it, when uh, the 48-hour week came in and, and all of these arbitration courts were set up to help workers get a, a, a decent wage and decent working hours Nurses were always exempted because of public interest, because they said, oh, no, if, if nurses worked 48-hour a week like everybody else, the hospitals would stop. So hmm. these women were working 50-, 60-hour weeks that, and, and continued to do so for an awfully long time. Yep. For no overtime. Um, so, yes, I think our nurses are, are very um, resourceful. Um, I just have an enormous admiration for them, really, and that really grew the more I researched the book. Mm-hmm. And that probably, again, leads into my next question. I'm curious, you're a medical historian and former medical lawyer. What is it about medicine and now nursing that draws you to write these stories or, you know, write these histories? Well, I just think it's really interesting. Um, I'm also a novelist, and I think because of that, um, I love stories. I love um, people's uh, experiences, learning about them. I, I love that sort of thing. And, and there's something very visceral, something very real about um, health and about about treatment of people and in, who are in, in distress or have been put into a situation where they've got to deal with things. And so I think that um, for that reason, I, I find medicine really interesting. I also find it interesting because it's changed, everything's changed so much and we take it for granted now that... Um, we know if, you, if you're ill, it's caused by a germ and that we can treat it with an antibiotic and that you have to have cleanliness and, and that will um, prevent further um, uh, infection occurring. Whereas that took a long time to happen. And I find it really interesting to see those changes occur to where we are now and um, think about what's going to happen in the future and how we're going to mm. treat disease then indeed um okay it's a really nice book and i love some of the really interesting images you've sourced um where oh, yes. when is it out and where can anyone listening get a copy uh well it's out now um it's going to be officially launched in canberra on the 21st mm-hmm. but it's already out it came out on the first of, of november um i think um it's from hopefully most good bookstores <laughs> and certainly online um from the online bookstores um 
and I think I'm very proud of it. I think it's a it's the first really um, comprehensive history of nursing in this country, right from the the first fleet through to 2017. So mm. yeah. I, I think it, it's I'm very proud of it. And and so you should be. Look, uh, Deborah Burrows, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with the book. Thank you very much.